Hey gang, welcome to the Gill Athletics Connections podcast, the show that brings you the men and women of track and field and explores their unique stories. The show is brought to you by Gill Athletics. Head on over to gillathletics.com to find all your track and field equipment needs. I'm your host, Mike Cunningham, National Sales Manager for Gill, and this episode, our guest is none other than Lance Deal. Lance has literally done it all in track and field throws, American record holder, Olympic medalist. This guy is throws through and through, as well as being a really funny guy. We talk about two amazing coaches, Mike Kernigan from Montana State, where Lance went to school, and the legendary Stuart Togart. Uh, Can't wait for you to listen to this. Let me know what you think in the comments section of our social media. This is an absolute brilliant episode, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. So without further ado, please help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Lance Deal. Uh, this is uh, going to be a great one for me. I don't know if anybody else is going to like this, but I'm certainly going to like this. I have, this is my second Oregon person record holder in a row. I've got the great Lance Deal with us today. Lance, how are you? I'm pretty good, Mike. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I got to uh, interview someone that you know really well last week, uh, Mr. Ashton Eaton. And so, now I'm just going to continue that with my yeah. Oregon flavor and, and go to you, Lance. That's a tough act to follow, Ashton Eaton. We'll, well see how we do. You, you both have it good because in a couple of days, I've got Judd Logan coming up. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a lot of fun there. A lot of fun. Yep. Uh, yep. Lance, so for those who maybe don't know you in your athletic background, maybe give us a, a few minute update uh, on who you are in regards to athletics and what you've done and those kind of things. Okay. So uh, here's my chance to brag about myself, which That's I it. hardly ever do. So um, I guess start in the middle, um, American record holder in the discus, um, uh, I'm the world record holder in the weight throw. And um, let's see, I went to Montana State University where I was a shot and discus thrower. And uh, I, I, I started the hammer there um, and the weight sort of. And um, uh, graduated high school from uh, Natrona County High School in Casper, Wyoming. And I was a uh, all sport athlete. I did uh, uh, football, wrestling, track, baseball, uh, quit baseball first, uh, then went on to Montana State to play football and throw and decided after five days that I liked my knees too much uh, to continue to play football and uh, ended up back. I, I left for a quarter, ended up back at Montana State um, to, uh, to throw the shot in discus. What position did you play in football? Oh, as a strong, strong backer, linebacker. Is that right? I could see yeah. that. I would not want to, I would not want the quarterback to hand me the ball if I saw you across the line. That's for sure. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. And, and uh, some of the things I learned, um, uh, you know, uh, in the intervening years, maybe I would have enjoyed it a little bit more, but at the time I just, I, I didn't, I didn't like parts of it. Um, and uh, uh, 
anyway, so throwing was a better fit and uh, I've loved it to, since the first day I threw a discus. And you grew up in the great state of Wyoming, which there's a pretty good history of throwers coming out of Wyoming. Uh, maybe the Godinas would have something to say about uh, <laughs> that area. What yeah. made you go choose uh, Montana State? Well, just a quick aside, in 2000, more than 20% of the throw squad in the, on the Olympic team was from Wyoming. Really? So, so Jessica Cross was shot and hammer. John Godina was, no, sorry, just shot. No, shot and hammer. Uh, John was shot, uh, shot and discus and I was hammer. So five of the 24 potential spots on the wow. throw squad were from Wyoming. And is it Wyoming or Montana or both where they say there's more cow than people? <laughs> <laughs> well, there would be more cows in Wyoming, but they get all blown into Nebraska. That's it, exactly. <laughs> So uh, from Wyoming over to uh, Montana State, what made you choose Montana State? Well, uh, frankly, uh, and it's an interesting uh, uh, question, and we've never we've not talked about this. It was actually the throws coach um, oh. and the head coach there. Um, the throws coach was Mike Carrigan, and he was uh, he was a young uh, a young coach. He was ten years older than I am and uh, bright blue eyes and crazy hair. I went there for a football recruiting visit and we're sitting up in the closet, which was literally, it was a closet in the mezzanine of the field house. There was the track office and there was a beam coming down diagonally and there was this little couch and a couple folding chairs and the head coach actually had a desk, which was a, a big luxury. And, um, <laughs> and Mike, had this had this brand new Hollywood star discus. Oh yeah. Gil Hollywood star. That's it. Yep. And so um he we were just sitting talking and and anybody that's listening that knows Mike will 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 kind of get this. I can't sort of without going on for 45 minutes sort of relate the the vibe. But here's this guy wide shoulders skinny waist crazy hair, bright blue eyes, and he's just talking about throwing. And I'd already told him that I want to go to the Olympics. And um, he goes, and then all of a sudden he goes, and he's just spinning this discus on the floor. He's just the concrete floor, because carpet, it's track. <laughs> <laughs> spinning this discus on the concrete floor, and he, and he goes, you know, this discus is perfectly balanced. And if you spin it just right, it'll spin forever. And I just went, ha, ha, ha. You ate that up. I'm going. I'm here. And literally. And so. How and many so pros coaches are going to try that on recruiting visits now? <laughs> I don't know. And I was, you know, at the time, I guess I hadn't thrown my PR. So I, I guess I was probably a hundred and. 65, maybe 100, maybe 170 mm -hmm. foot discus thrower, 58, 56 foot shot putter, something like that. You know, early in my junior, in my senior year, so I hadn't had my senior year yet. And um, yeah, I don't know. But it. Um, but it was Montana State, and I was I was really good at those levels for Montana State. Mm. And then after my senior year, I threw 62.2 in the shot and 186 in the discus. You know, then I became a little wow. bit more attractive. And um, 
uh, but I'd already committed to football. Actually, that's not true. I didn't commit until June. So I went to football and I played for five days, realized I, I was just in the wrong place, uh, doing the wrong sport. I was in the right place, but doing the wrong right, sport. Right. And so I quit and went home to Casper and went to Casper College for a, a, a semester. During that semester, the head coach, Rob Stark, just took care of me. And he kept calling. He said, hey, what can I do for you? And I said, well, you know, I really like it there. I'd really love to throw. But, you know, I, I can't afford, you know, mm -hmm. coming. And I literally couldn't. Um, and so he finagled it and figured out a way to get me not quite a full ride. And I got some student loans. And um, I never actually ever, and this is one of my proud moments for five years, never was a full ride athlete. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, it, it's hard to tell as a coach, it's hard to throw that at kids that, that you know, these days that think that they're going to, you know, that they deserve. Yeah, I'm a hundredth in the, in the country. I'm on the die stat list. So I deserve a full ride. Um, it's hard to tell them that, but sometimes my pride kind of, kind of bumped out and said, well, here's the thing. Right. Let me tell you about this kid. <laughs> anyway, <kid. laughs> so, um, so anyway, I started thinking, well, you know, Rob was, was getting me interviews with these other colleges and sending me stuff. And, and I said, well, gosh, you know, you care so much about me. Can I just come back there? And so then that's when he did the, the, the real hard work of finding, he found scholarship for me in the middle of the year. So he was actively trying to help you find a home, not yeah. at Montana State. Yeah, Mount Sac. West Texas State, you know, all these places that, you know, I could, I could go legally and the rules were different then and I don't know what they were. But yeah, he was just trying to help me. What a great example <laughs> of being a, a giver at heart. I mean, yeah. he wasn't doing it to, it, it, now it worked out for him. You, you ended up going there, but he yeah. was honestly like, how can I just help this kid yeah. get a place to go to school? And maybe he'll yeah. come back to me. I don't know, but let's get this kid some help. Yeah. And anybody that knows Rob Stark will go, yes, of course, that's Rob. Is that all right? You know, he just, he's, he's a, the Stark family's legendary in Montana and Rob's legendary at Montana State. Wow. And, that's um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. So I would have lost a bet that you were not a full ride athlete. Here is another bet that I would have lost if I didn't know this. So <laughs> you are a silver medalist at the 96 Olympics. You're our American record holder in the hammer. I mean, no one has been better at the hammer than you, Lance. So I would have assumed you would also be the school record holder at Montana State. However, not only are you not the hammer throw school record holder, you aren't even in the top five. You are number six <laughs> at the Montana. Now, to your credit, you do own the discus school record. You're third on the shot put all-time list. But Mr. American Record Holder, you are sixth best at your college. Okay, I want to back up to the shot for just a minute. <laughs> okay. I'm third. third. Mm -hmm. And that shot record, that's not true. I went over 60 feet the first time in my career as a sophomore. And um, that was before, that was right after I squatted 400 for the first time. 
Jeez. And before I benched over 300, I was one of these kids that was pretty good with a 12 pound. I was really mm -hmm. quick, super mm -hmm. quick. And, but I was 6'2", 235. And it's a, the, the heavy ball just beat me up. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm number three at 6'2", 240. Now, you said you threw over 60. I did, yes. We might need to, we need to call up Montana State right now. They've what? got you third at 59, nine and a half. That's the indoor. Is this, I don't know. Cause it, the very next record is shot is a uh, discus. No, it's they're wrong then. So I'm, they, I'm, I'm 60 foot two. And the list I'm looking at doesn't have the years. Do you say 60 foot two inch? Yeah. So second place they've got at 61 and a quarter, a guy named Kyle Douglas. They don't yep. have years, so I don't know yep. when they this. And then they have they have for their school record sixty feet ten and three quarters, Mr. Dennis Black. Yep. Yeah. Okay, we, I got to call we, Mike. Yeah, we got to get this corrected. Actually, That's actually, right. Mike's retired. So, but the answer to that question is yeah. Um, great coach. Here we go again. Um, Kerrigan, his name is Mike Kerrigan, but he just everybody pronounced it Kerrigan for ease. Um, he regularly, regularly takes these. He, he never recruits out of Montana. Um, I was one of the foreign, he, now back then he did, he'd go to right. Wyoming and he'd go up. We had, we had two kids. We had a, a, a long jumper from Cheyenne and we had me. And then we had a kid from Lethbridge, Alberta, an 800 meter runner, I think. So we were the foreign athletes. Right. <laughs> um, and, and the kid from Lethbridge is closer to Bozeman than I was. So certainly from the guy from Cheyenne. So um, anyway, uh, he, 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 at the end of his career, his coaching career, Mike um, would never uh, recruit out of Montana. And every year his shot putter discus throwers would match or exceed their high school marks. Wow. Bumping up to the heavy events. Yeah, right. Every single year. The guy, in my opinion, is is the best throws coach in the country. What was his magic? He just he well, all of my coaches, uh, well, all two of them, uh, college and uh, the high school was different. You know, the the the, the great uh, coaches there. Uh, um, my my track my throws coach is, his name was Ron Estes, and my my uh, football coach is Art Hill. And he was legendary in, in, uh, in, they both were legendary in Wyoming. Um, but uh, uh, they were all rounders. Ron was a, actually a wrestling coach and he just, feel, he, he told me to keep my head up, which that's all he ever said, but it was completely accurate. <laughs> so simple cues. Through three years to keep my head up. I thought, okay, great. Montana State, Mike Kerrigan, great program. First thing Mike said to me, keep your head up. So, um, <laughs> I, I'm noticing a theme there with you. Like, <laughs> thing. So anyway, um, uh, so Kerrigan just, he's, he's a technical coach, much like my, my uh, coach uh, after here in Eugene, Stuart Toger, mm -hmm. both very, very technical coaches. And it, it was always with Mike, it was always a two-way street. And we became really good friends, very, very good friends during this time. Um, don't know if it could happen like that these days with all the rules, but um, it was a different time. 
and and just really we really appreciate each other i could see what was what, what was in his mind you know and and he was just really really uh respectful of you know the whole the whole person the whole athlete and the whole person mm. and really cared about the levels of um uh, i don't know how to say it um it wasn't just about well how much can you squat it's mm, should you really be eating that second piece of cake mm. and are you getting enough sleep and you know uh how's your mom and dad and and a lot of coaches do that and and i think the really good ones um do that very genuinely and that yeah. was the way mike was and it was just a it was a symbiotic thing uh, between mike and myself that i couldn't get enough and he couldn't give enough and so um you know uh so yeah and i think that he's that way with everybody and he holds himself to a really really high standard personally in everything and you know if you go talk to bobcat throwers they all have this thing this this pride about being and we don't run around you know we don't have at least they don't invite me if they do it you know um uh but Everybody that I've talked to from my teammates at the time um, were very, very sick. Most of them are engineers because it's an engineering school. I was a PE major, so I was the dumb one. No offense to PE majors. Yeah, right. <laughs> you just <laughs> made every uh, track coach who's a PE major anger right there. Well, hey, I'm in your club, okay? That's right. <laughs> um, three, two, five graduating grade point average, but. Um, that gets it. Anyway, these guys, you know, they're just like, I don't know, uh, uh, they're very successful. And, um, and so when we get together, when I get together with some of the young kids that I would do, you know, young kids now that are 45 years old, that I would do clinics with, because I go back to Bozeman and do clinics quite often in the hammer um, to sort of, and Mike would call me almost weekly for a while. What are you doing now? What are you doing now? <laughs> so he was, he was interested in learning so he could help his throw. Oh, yeah. And I was interested in, in giving back to Mike. And so, um, and Mike would come out and attend practices here and, and um, with Stuart. And anyway, we just, we just found a way to do it in the snow. And it was, it, it was really, really good. I, you know, I hear a lot of common themes when we're talking about great coaches and one of those is what you just mentioned there is that always learning principle. They don't just yeah. lock in and stay where they are. They're always asking questions. Uh, it's one of the things that I was just overly impressed with Harry Mara. This guy's done it all and he still right. would talk, ask, always asking questions, yeah. really quite amazing. The other thing I heard there about Mike was when you're talking about how he coached you, what I heard was he didn't boil you down to numbers. Oh, a 200 foot hammer throw or a 400 pound squatter. He talked about and was caring about Lance, the person. Yeah. And, you know, and how Lance, the person can throw for. And right, Lance, absolutely. the personality. Mm -hmm. we, we did this thing where we went and talked to uh, Mac Wilkins coach. Um, oh, I'm gonna, re uh, Ron. Forget Ron Morris. Oh, Ron, yeah. Not Ron, Ron Morris. I was about to say, wait a minute. Ron Morris coached Mac Wilkins? Hold on no, now. No. Okay, all right. Frank Morris. Frank okay. Morris. Okay. So um, 
Frank Morris came to Montana and we went up to, to Great Falls and spent some time, spent a day with him learning, you know, learning about the Mac Wilkins stuff and came back and tried really hard for a year to do it. And, and I was getting really, really technical and really um, getting into the, to the, to the postures and the positions and everything else. And it just wasn't going far. And so Mike came out one day and um, just said, all right, quit apologizing for your speed. Cause I was really fast. Mm -hmm. I was super fast. And um, so it's like, okay, shabap! and that helped the, the Frank Morris stuff helped. But at the end of the day, I was a speed thrower. And so let's not forget that part. And, it, and, and he dove into this other part with me. In fact, he led me into this other, this other place where, okay, we're going to look around and see what we're missing. And I was already a 199 foot thrower, but we're looking for the next, the next jump. And, uh, you know, finally it came out. Um, and uh, uh, it, it came out actually bigger than my PR shows because um, uh, I'm left-handed. Hmm. And so, you know, I threw my 202 PR, my 6162 meter PR at Hayward um, at NC2As. It's my last collegiate throw. And oh, wow. um, any discus thrower will tell you that a left-hander in the normal uh, Hayward wind is completely screwed. Hmm. And so um, I had a lot more there. And I threw, I had, I had confirmed throws of quite a bit farther. Um, but I'm quite happy. You know, 202 is a left-hander, uh, All-American. Yeah. Um, and, and here's a, here's a, we'll put this on, we'll do a little, we'll do a little trivia quiz question in the middle All of right. this thing. Okay. And everybody can text each other if they're listening. I'm no longer in control, everybody. This is the Lance Deal Show. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like trivia quiz question. How, what's the, what's the biggest number of 200 plus foot discus throwers in an NC2A championship? what championship had the most 200 foot plus and how, throwers? And how many and how, and how, how many? many how many throwers over 200 in an nc2a championship all right we're gonna hold on we're not gonna give the answer we're gonna we're come i wrote that down so we don't forget that. it okay so you what's interesting so you you obviously didn't start doing the hammer until you got to college correct i actually did it so i got my first hammer um at the sporting goods store in casper wyoming where i worked summers uh in between really? in, in college and it came in in this shipment and I'm, I'm unpacking the, the shoes and the pogo sticks or whatever. <laughs> and uh, here's this thing. And I, it was my, in between my freshman and sophomore year. And there's this ball, it was a big, big ball, mm -hmm. stupid looking and there's this handle thing. Right. And, uh, and it had this, it didn't actually have a hammer wire. It had like a, a, like a wire rope, right? Just like cable. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And it was all frayed, it was ruined, didn't work. And so um, I went to the, to, the, to the owner, Ox, Ox Zellner, and I said, uh, hey Ox, name. can I have this? Well, yeah, I'll sell it to you for $6. So I bought my, <laughs> my first hammer for $6. And, um, and we took, I took it back to Montana State. We didn't know how to even do a hammer, a, a hammer wire. 
So we ruined a couple wires trying to strap it together and took it out and threw it. And literally the first day that I ever threw it, A, I'd thrown the shot farther and <laughs> our, 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 our best miler threw it farther than I did. Really? I couldn't throw it 60 feet. Again, another bet I would have lost right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, wow. So anyway, I played around with my sophomore year a little bit. I think I threw 138, maybe 156. Um, and then I threw, anyway, um, uh, my fourth year, I had knee surgery, so I didn't throw the disc. I spent a lot of time with the hammer, threw 188. And, and in between, so in spring break of my sophomore year, no, spring break of my junior year, sorry, um, uh, a, a teammate of mine and I took a trip, um, took a spring break trip to throw the discus. So we came out to Eugene, oh, cool. and then we went down to Palo Alto. And I was, I was um, friends with uh, the longtime American record holder fe uh, female, uh, Carol Cady, in the discus. So she introduced me to Stuart. And so my throw went from 130 to 160 in about 15 minutes of working with Stuart. Wow, really? So yeah, on, on the berm in, at Stanford, they used to have a big dirt berm, if people are remembering Stanford. And we were just up on the berm, on the dirt, doing turns. And I went home and threw 30 feet farther. And so that was my first introduction to my next coach. Yeah. Came back, uh, spent my, my fourth year, my redshirt year, recovering from knee surgery, throwing a lot of hammer. And then my senior year, I threw um, uh, 20, whatever. You, you know it better than I do, 207. You know, if I can believe the website now, we've, we've gotten discrepancies, so I'm not sure. This shows you sixth at 205 feet, one inch. Yeah, that makes sense. That's okay. Right. All right. The school record is 213, two inches. Yeah. 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 So what, as you got better in the hammer, you still, 205 is not for the next level that that's not somebody that would continue to go on and throw in fact it's interesting that your uh, discus and sh um uh, hammer throw pr are relatively the same that's <laughs> just interesting there what made right. you keep going why why did you keep going 205 you should go teach pe right well yeah or or the, the plan was um uh i i took a map and um uh, a map of the United States, and I circled places that had graduate programs in exercise phys mm -hmm. that would hire me as a grad assist. Um, the place that had a chiropractic school. Oh, so you back then you were into chiropractor, yeah, into chiropractic. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, the places that I could throw that I knew had hammer facilities, which weren't. Mm. as many as there are now and then the places that I knew people and I did this after my my first spring here I came out for a spring went home for a summer and when I was deciding on where to go after that I did that and Eugene had the most circles mm. um, and so uh, but before that um, my head coach Rob Stark had, had run into Stewart um, at NC2A's or someplace and he said hey I got this 200 foot left-handed discus thrower who wants to learn how to throw the hammer. 
and uh, can he come train with you? At the time, Stuart was the national hammer coach. So he kind of had to. <laughs> Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have done it. Or, or he probably wouldn't have done it. Right. So um, I came out here, um, called him, said, yeah, you can, you know, you can sleep on the, on the couch in the weight room. Um, wow. I was going to come out for two weeks and train, learn everything I could about the hammer and then uh, go down to the Phoenix area and train in both the discus and the hammer. Um, uh, uh, it's where my girlfriend was. And um, so I was gonna go down there and train. And I got here and through 20 feet farther in two weeks, I went from 205 to 224 and went from 27th in the country to ninth in the country. It's like, maybe I should stay here. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, serendipitously enough, um, uh, I met the woman that I was, that I ended up marrying and I'm still married to, who you know, uh, oh, Nancy. Very well. And um, uh, yeah, it just was one of those deals where, um, I don't know, I just got very, very, very fortunate and was very blessed to be able to fall into this thing. That's awesome. I really did just fall. I, you know, I said this to Stuart once. I said, yeah, you know, I just got really lucky. And he got really mad. He goes, there's no luck about it. You worked for every single thing you got. And it, I guess it's true, but there's a lot of people that have more desire than I did. And, you know, one of those things falling through, can't find a good coach, you know, can't find a support system, can't find a job, um, can't find a place to train get hurt, whatever. Um, one of those things leaves, you can't do it. You have to stop. So, so I just, everything fell together. One of the things that I'm really excited to talk to you about is Stuart, because I have heard his name. He is one of those legendary names, specifically in Throws and the Hammer. Yeah. Uh, I never actually got to meet him or know anything about us. Tell, tell us about this guy that <laughs> changed your life. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely changed my life. Um, uh, I, I was, um, I had the dubious honor of being the executor for Stewart's estate. Um, and, and Nancy, my wife, really didn't want me to do it. And I promised that I wouldn't. And then I did anyway when he asked me. And I'm trying to justify this to Nancy and she's mad. And, um, and I said, listen, if it wasn't for Stuart, I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Stuart, I wouldn't be who I am. If it wasn't for Stuart, we wouldn't be together. Mm -hmm. Stuart made this life for us. Mm -hmm. And she goes, yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> that was, she <laughs> relented. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, um, Stuart at the time that I met him uh, was the national hammer coach. He got paid uh, by, at the time, the TAC, um, now USA Track and Field, um, to develop hammer. And when he came here, the world, the, the, the national record, and I'm going to get it maybe a little bit off, uh, American record was in the 30s, 238, I think, and by Ed Burke, uh, way back in the dark ages. And in a couple of years, uh, Ed got it again. Ed ended up being, and then Ed, um, 
and I'm going to probably leave somebody out, but Ed, Dave, McKen Dave McKenzie, um, Bill Green, they traded the, world, the American record a couple of times. Ed ended up carrying a flag in 84 wow. on the Olympic team. <clears throat> um, and um, so that was kind of the start of it. Um, and uh, uh, as far as the, the results, um, start of it was a couple of people tried really hard to get him here. Um, John McArdle was one of them. When you uh, say get him, when you say get him here, from Scotland, Stuart, Stuart's from Scotland. Okay, right. So Stuart has coached somebody, or had um, coached somebody in the Olympics. I think from ninety seventy two, maybe seventy six. Um, every single Olympics until two thousand and eight or two thousand twelve. Wow, that's yeah. a bit of a streak there. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah, he's an okay. Yeah. Coach. <laughs> He's I. Oh, wow. I can see why we wanted him to come over and help <laughs> us out. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, we kept him employed um, for a while, and then they dropped that, um, uh, that program. Mm -hmm. But during that time, the American record went from 238 to what it is now at 8252. And uh, he came, I believe... in the early 80s, 81, 82, um, came to Oregon, was the Oregon coach, and was the national coach. And at the time, he was six months here, six months in Scotland. Mm -hmm. By the time I got here, he was full-time here um, in 80, I got here in 85. So I think he was here full-time, 83, 84, and then um, I got here spring of 84, 85. And then uh, the world, the, the American record then in uh, 96. So, 11 years. From, and he was, he was always in Eugene when he was over here? He was here? always in Eugene. Mm -hmm. he did, we did a lot uh, early. He did a lot of travel mm -hmm. um, all over the place. And then um, as, as, the, as the group developed in Eugene, <clears throat> um, we would go out and we would do clinics. Um, some of us would go with him mm -hmm. uh, to do these clinics. Um, all over the place, Brown University, and uh, you're going to talk to Judd. Mm. He came out to Judd a lot, um, and his, Judd had a kind of a training group there, helped them a lot, um, go down to California. Um, uh, we did some stuff. I can't remember. My, my memory fails me. Some of the clinics I did, some of them we did, and some of them he did. So anyway, so he, he went all over, but we always had this core starting in 85, we had this core of throwers here, anywhere between three and I think the top, maybe we had six or eight temporarily. And then guys would come in and, and right. train for a week and leave. And what was his, he obviously was a good coach and people flocked to him and wanted him at their place. What made him better than the other coaches that were out there at the time? <laughs> he'd walk up to us sometimes and he'd just be red eyes and bags under his eyes and all pissed off and he goes, ah, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep last night thinking about this. Oh. And he would, he, it was, it consumed him. And, um, and therefore it consumed us. He, he was, he was, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of the word, you know, I, you, you have to be a very unique kind of person. Um, to probably the greatest credit I will give myself is that I was with Stuart for 18 years. 
he because was, others couldn't handle that long? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was almost as hard-headed as he was. And he would not give up. One of the, so one of the, here's, and here's a coaching story. Here's, here's one of the things I would tell my athletes, and I, I tell people at clinics all the time about coaching and listening to your coach. There was one part, Stuart just wouldn't give up. He would not let go of something. And so there was this one thing that was going on. And I was, I was pretty far into my career. Um, it was, it was mid nineties. It might've been before my first AR, maybe just after. And he wanted me to try this thing. And I can't even remember what it was. Yeah. I was wondering. Yeah. Hold your pinky up. I don't know what it was. Um, keep your, keep your head up. <laughs> yeah. Keep your head up. <laughs> and so I knew it was wrong. I knew absolutely that it was the wrong thing to do. But you're not telling Stuart that. No, you can't. Okay, yeah, exactly. Can't okay, all right. No, he'd kill you with his thumb. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> so I just kept trying to find ways around it. I mean, I didn't want to just not do something. So I would try something else. And every once in a while, he'd go, hey, you're, try you're kidding me, laddie. And, um, uh, and then finally, I just gave up. One day, it was a horrible day. I was tired. My defenses were down. And I said, okay, I'll just do it. And so I did this thing that he'd been asking me to do for six months, and it didn't work. I knew it wasn't going to work, but then he saw that it wasn't going to work. Never, never talked about it again. Wow. Never said a word about it. Move on. Nothing. So I wasted six months by not <laughs> hey, listening to my coach. I like, yeah, exactly. Cause I like his lack of ego that once it was proven that it didn't work, he didn't try to keep hammering it and say, well, you're doing it wrong. Or try, he's like, no. oh, 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 that doesn't work. Oh, okay. Well, I was wrong. Let's move over here and do this. No, he now. never said that. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's inner quiet ego and then there's outer yes. quiet. <laughs> yes. Um, it was all about, for Stuart, it was all about the process. It was all about the hammer. And I like to think that, that there was something um, special about my relationship in his relationship. Um, but then, you know, uh, I remember the, the story in, uh, about, I think it was the Pac-10s. Um, he was there as the Oregon coach. And he was watching Balage kiss and said something to help Balage kiss correct his technique. And then Balage went ahead and, and beat me at the Olympics. So um, I think it really was all about finding this ideal of, of, of the, uh, specifically the hammer, but also the other throws. Um, but the hammer really is, is the one that captured him. Um, and just never, he just never let it go. Not, he didn't let it go the day he died. He was, he was still thinking about the hammer. Um, and, and <laughs> sorry, thinking, thinking that I, I was with him the night that he died and, and I was thinking about a, a, a story, but it involves curse words, so I can't say it. He admonished me for my hammer. I was helping him off his bed and, and I was, wasn't doing it right. And so he admonished me. Didn't I tell you how to sit back, Lonnie? So, with a few other things. 
you're saying he literally coached in his till his last breath. He literally yelled at me three for for not doing something right technically four hours before he died. <laughs> okay, if you were gonna define the word coach, I think you just did right there. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So you obviously you're with him when he passes away, you're the executive of his will. Obviously, a real special relationship between you and, and coach. Yeah, and it wasn't coach, it was Stuart. Stuart he was never yeah. coach. He hated coach. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Um yeah, it was. I mean, anytime I, I described him once as um, uh, the the epitome of patience, in that here's a, one grown man telling another grown man the exact same thing, 150 times a week for 18 years. Right. And so, um, yeah. Now that's interesting. The word you just used there, patience. Uh, from my relationship with you, that is one of the words that I would use to describe you as well, is that patience side of it. Uh, what are, and you coached for quite a while yourself, what are some of the traits that uh, from Stuart to even Coach Mike Kerrigan, what did you bring into your coaching style from those mentors that you had? That's a really interesting question. And, and for me, um, you know, you learn, you learn positive lessons and you learn negative lessons. And, and hopefully you can use them both. And um, I think I learned, I, I learned something on both sides of the coin from, from both of those uh, uh, men. And um, uh, a lot of it for, from Stuart was the, the, the technical stuff about the throws and, and um, how he coached the hammer. And, and um, there's a lot, of, a lot of talk out there um, at least there used to be about commonality between events and they're all kind of the same. And so Stuart talked a lot about that. Um, Stuart talked a lot about um, injury prevention and um, designing a training, uh, training programs that uh, made up for the, the, um, the shortcomings of the American system because he, he was a weightlifter as an athlete. He was a, a Scottish national champion in, when he was 33. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Um, and so he made, he, he had to, with his role as the national hammer coach, he had to make up for a lot of stuff that we learn as American athletes. And especially for males, um, we learn a lot in football that really doesn't work. Mm. And so, um, uh, and at the same time, uh, uh, the, the throwers that did come to him that were throwers were mostly discus throwers, myself included. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and discus throwers is, is the other side of the, the rotation. So, so discus thrower, as a discus, left-handed discus thrower, my first move was over the right foot, right? And it's completely wrong for a hammer thrower. It's exactly the opposite. So he had to find all of these ways to counteract all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> and um, my personality wouldn't let me present that stuff like Stuart. Stuart was a hard man. Stuart was a street fighter. Stuart was a bouncer. <clears throat> and I wasn't. I've never been in a fight in my life. So, so what I learned, so what I took from, from Kerrigan 
along with a lot of really good discus and shot stuff, um, was um, his his way of being mm. and 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 the way of presenting, and and um, uh, and then just kind of added my own stuff, you know. Um, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Um, kind of this amalgamation of these two very technical uh, and, and certainly had other personality stuff and then a very personality, but also a technical side and amalgamation of those two yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's probably what everybody does. You know, it, it's a little bit like technique, you know, and this is what, um, you know, this is what we, we didn't, we didn't it, with, with either Mike or Stuart, we didn't say, okay, we're going to throw like at the time, Mac Wilkins, John Powell, we're going to, we're going to take that look at what works. And then we're going to throw like Lance, we're going to forget about quit apologizing for your speed. Mm -hmm. You're the fastest, you're the quickest discus thrower out there. Do it. Right. And with Stuart, it wasn't like, well, Yuri Sadiq throws 86 meters. So we're going to throw exactly like Yuri Sadiq. No, these, there's some things that work and there's some things that don't. Um, so let's figure that stuff out. And then, and then within our system, our American system, let's figure out how that works. And that was really good. That was, that was, and so I think that um, that's what I did. How is it going to work? You know, when I started coaching, I thought, oh, great. You know, I'd already uh, gotten my massage license. And so my full on um, intention was to um, volunteer coach for a year. Um, I had two athletes, one of whom uh, I knew close. He was a hammer thrower that trained with Stuart. <clears throat> And, um, and then I was going to uh, uh, work, get my massage license and work on my clientele and then be done. So <laughs> Have what happened? Because, you, you know, you made four Olympic teams, which, come on, man, that is amazing right there. Uh, add on top of that, the American record. These are the cherries on top, right? The American record, the silver medal. I mean, uh, just unbelievable. But you actually did go into coaching. Along, alongside, you said, you know, you got your massage therapist license, uh, your chiropractic license as well. Not chiro just massage therapy. Just massage. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wh why did you go into coaching? And, and then why did you get out? Because I think your last year coaching was 2010, if I remember. I think it was, yeah, 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah, right? somewhere around there. Um, uh, so <laughs> the reason that I continued was they combined programs and they asked me to do it, uh, coach all the throws, men and women. And they offered me uh, more money than I ever thought I'd make in my life. I was a hammer thrower, <laughs> right? And it wasn't very much money, believe Wait, me. You're telling me, even as a silver medalist American record holder, you weren't just loaded rich as a hammer made, thrower in America. I made, I made pretty good money that one year. <laughs> that one year. <laughs> and as I told my next door neighbor that worked in the lumber mill one time, um, I was up cleaning my gutters or something. He came over to say hi and he goes, yeah, well, you know, he was really tired. He'd worked a double shift or something. He goes, boy, you, you sure got it good. I said, yeah, I, I kind of do except if I fall off this ladder, it's all over. Right. And so, you know, in, in, uh, uh, in 97, uh, I hurt my back and didn't throw. Mm. Uh, in 98, I broke my foot um, in the first Grand Prix meet right after nationals wow. and didn't do the season. 99, um, 
I got a, a massive uh, a bronchial infection right before the World Championships. And, you know, in 2000, I, I got sub rib, some rib injury that nobody still knows. Wow. And so, so what, I, what I imagined finally in, in, uh, in 2000 is this gigantic finger of God jamming into the back of my back on, this, on the right side under my second rib going, stop! <laughs> so, <laughs> and I did one more in 2002 just for fun. I was about to say, you listened, but no, okay, you had to go one more in 2002. Well, what happened, <laughs> that it doesn't have anything to do with coaching, so um, we won't talk about that. Okay. Um, I did it for insurance. Oh, okay. I threw, I threw right. my, last, my last national um, uh, championship was so I could get insurance for another year because my wife's self-employed and oh, we'd enjoyed right. the, the, the insurance from the, the Olympic committee for quite a few years. Right. So anyway, um, so they offered me the job for more money than I'd ever made or ever thought I'd make, um, who, which again, wasn't very much. Sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I took it and um, I'm pretty good at um, uh, making, making the best of a situation. And so I knew six months in that I didn't want to be a coach. Oh, wow. But I had a family to support. And so I worked really hard at, at enjoying the good parts and, and, you know, holding my breath through the bad parts. Do you mind and, sharing uh, what were those parts? Was it more of like the paperwork bureaucratic side? Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine you not liking the outside in the ring time. I like that. I mm. like, and so, and I'll describe it this way. I thought, well, I was, I'm going to be this four-time Olympian, long-time professional athlete. I'm just going to come in and teach these kids how to throw. Doesn't work. They, they <laughs> in anything, people, people have preconceived notions of what you're supposed to be in certain roles mm. in life. And so they pushed me into this coach's role. And I don't like that role. I don't like telling people what to do, um, just in general. And um, yeah, the, the, the leading up to that, well, I, I don't want to get into that. Um, yeah, basically the scholarship stuff, the, mm -hmm. the, the, inner, the inner team balance between scholarships, um, it, it, it gets pretty offensive sometimes. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I just really, really didn't like that. I hope all those football and basketball coaches realize, uh, you know, they've got it good for a lot of reasons. I know there's some hard parts too, but simply on the scholarship side, when you're only dealing with full ride or walk on and not having to figure out 10% books, tuition yeah. and, and try to yeah. feel this complete team or what you as a head coach maybe want to go in your direction your team they got it so good i yeah. always laugh when i read a newspaper article or something that says you know local kid receives a full uh, scholarship football a full football scholarship to xyz and i'm like yeah, yeah they're all full rides that's not yeah. like you don't have to yeah. say that like they're all full rides yeah. yeah and and the game you know the 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 balancing the metrics and, and creating a, a, a successful team, I'm sure is really challenging and, and, and exhilarating for a lot of people. That's probably why I would never be a head coach. Um, but for me, it's how do I tell my, my all-American javelin thrower that's on books um, that the fourth leg of the four by four that doesn't do anything else at all is getting 75%. Right. How do you do that? 
Right. And, and that was the part that really, really crushed uh, the enjoyment for me. Mm. Um, and I don't like coaching. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't like telling people what to do. I mean, right. I don't right, like telling right. people what to do. Right. Um, so uh, it was, it, I was very, very fortunate to have, um, uh, to have a head coach that was very loyal um, and um, tried real hard to, to keep me around in, in a different, uh, in a different role than that of the director of the venue, um, which is where you and I met. Mm -hmm. um, and taking care of Hayward and taking care of track meets, um, help putting on the track meets. And uh, uh, kind of, it was a very, very smooth transition. And, and a, a lot of thanks for, uh, for Vin for doing that. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, keeping me in here for a little while longer. Well, so. as one of the guys who was in charge of coordinating USATF trial, Olympic trials and championships and NCAAs at Hayward, uh, I'm thankful for Vin that he put you in that position because you <laughs> make that job a lot easier, my man. In fact, I, I remember being a little upset when you were telling me you were retiring from that position a couple <laughs> of years ago. I was, I, I was like, who do I got to talk to around here? I don't, I don't approve of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it was time to move on and, and do some other stuff. And um, uh, it's all working out really well for me uh, now. And, and I, I miss, you know, uh, I miss the idea, but then, <laughs> but then when I talked to my, um, my colleague and, and mentor, Jody Smith, um, about some of the good times. It's like, oh man, yeah, that was, but then some of the other stuff is like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not doing that anymore. I, I kind of like it. You know, I coached for 10 years before I came over to this side and a coach will talk to me about, you know, just something, one of the, the not so fun parts of coaching. And I love hearing those stories because it just confirms that I made the right decision yeah. to get on this side of track and field, not on the coaching side. As much fun as, as I had, and it was, it was awesome. And, and I'm so thankful those people are out there doing that exactly. so that I don't have to. <laughs> and at the end of the day, the other thing is just, it never ends. It never stops. Yeah. Now I've got a project. I do the project. I finish the project. I've got a massage client. I, I see the massage client. I finish the project. You know, I finish the, the, the session. And so it's like Vin used to say, yeah, recruiting is like shaving. If you don't do it every day, you start to look shabby real quick. I've never heard. That's really good. Yeah. I like and that. It just, man, it's tough. It was I tough. Like it. I remember that the, it took me until August. I, I quit coaching, obviously, after NC2As or USAs in 11. I think it was 11. Um, so in June sometime. And uh, I'm driving home. And where I used to live, uh, there's about a mile and a half two mile stretch of just kind of straight parkway. Um, not where I live now. Mm. Um, and when I was coaching, so you get out of the bustle of the downtown around the track and you get onto this parkway and you go up and about halfway there, I would remember, okay, now I got to call this guy or this, this, this uh, young lady. Mm -hmm. And I'd pull off into a parking lot before I headed up my hill up into the hills because I'd lose signal. And a lot, many times I would sit down there for 30 minutes to an hour just talking on the phone in my car. And so one time in August, after I'd quit, I'm driving up there and about halfway up, I realize I don't have to call anybody. 
and literally three tons of weight fell off my shoulders. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the clouds <Yes>. parted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, it was great. It's very, very uh, rewarding that the, the people that I stay in contact with, um, the former athletes and that stuff is very, very rewarding to me. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's many, 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 many good memories. And I tell them, tell stories all the time about them. And, um, uh, but it's, I'm, I'm really happy to, to not have the responsibility um, of the coach. Because mm -hmm. they are, as we've talked about, they are so important. Mm, and absolutely. they're so in many, many different ways. And um, uh, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough way to be. Absolutely. Are you still working with the Oregon team as massage therapists? Yeah, until, until, the, until the COVID. Right, right. Well, that's good. I'm glad that we're spring break. We still have you involved in track and field in that, in that fashion. A little bit. Improving yeah, athletes. Yeah, I'm, good. I'm a, yeah, I'm an I'm a, a independent contractor and I work on, uh, I'm not the only one, but I'm one of the, the massage therapists. That's awesome. Well, Lance, thank you so much. Before we wrap up, or as our wrap up here, we had a trivia question. I was not going to forget <laughs> this. So you asked, the trivia question is, the uh, biggest, the largest number of 200 foot plus discus throwers at an NCAA championship or final i'm not sure if you made a distinction there i'm not sure that there needs to be a distinction so how what year was it tell, tell me about that this uh this 1984 okay hayward field okay i can maybe i can maybe name them all but 2022 tied for seventh so there was 202 eight people, tied for seventh there were eight people over 200 at the nc2a championships my reckoning says that there might have been three before that, and there maybe has been four or five after that. So who were some of the people that were in that that you so, can't remember? So John Brenner won it. Um, Stefan Fernholm was another left-hander that didn't handle the wind as well as I did because he warmed up at 2.30, and the, and the right-handed wind came in, and, and he kind of faltered. Mike Bunsick was there. Randy Heisler was there. Art McDermott was there. Viestin Steinson was there, Robert Weir, and me. Holy cow. Yeah, big time. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, it's funny when you're talking about you know, the injuries you uh, occurred over the last four years, you know, 97, 98, 99, and I, I was thinking of a story. I remember asking Randy Heisler once, why did you stop? You know, you were throwing really well, and he literally looked at me and goes, I got tired of hurting. <laughs> yeah. It just made me think about that. that. That's an amazing final. Yeah. A lot of yeah, those guys want so, to be amazing coaches. And um, I w that year I went to the trials. And uh, well, that, that was back when there was a nationals and a, and a trials. Mm. So the nationals border was making his comeback. And I walked up to a bank of phones at USC at the dorms in USC and Al orders in it in this muscle shirt, just completely ripped to shreds. I mean, he had veins in his arms bigger than my biceps. And it's like, I can't do this. I can't compete with this. And so as I say, and then that nationals in San Jose was, I believe memory serves. That was the, that was the day that uh, John Powell and Mac Wilkins both threw over 70 meters in the championship. Wow. 
It's like, it's maybe time to be a hammer thrower. <laughs> oh, man. Well, luckily you did, and you did it really well, and you've inspired a lot of people. And uh, I know, I, just knowing you, I know you can't wait till your record gets broken, that it continues, that people No, that's not better. true. I know. I am not selfless. <laughs> I'll tell you one, one more quick story about when I was a coach. This is what I used to do as a coach. Okay. <laughs> in a coach but we went to Boise for an indoor meet and uh you know we're throwing the weight and my my athletes Stuart always used to stand in the middle of the sector right and and sometimes I would stand in the middle of the sector sometimes I'd stand in the back of the sector you know right behind the ring and um now this is going to turn into two stories so I had this one thrower named Brittany Hinchcliffe who really was she, she was she was pretty she liked to have things all set up and consistent and so because I coached at the back of the ring, she wanted me to be sure that I was at the back of the ring during the meet. And, and so, and I tried to not disrupt the competition, but she it was, I think it was pac tens and she was competing against, um, you know, Jessica, Jessica Cosby at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And I found out that I made Jessica nervous. So I went right up front and stood right in the back of the ring. <laughs> I'm only doing it to help my thrower. I'm just helping Brittany. Coach so, got a coach. Got a, coach has got a coach, man. And so, so then this meeting in uh, Boise, this indoor meet, uh, this gigantic guy, and I'm going to forget his name, Libor Scharfreitag, big yes. chest. And he's throwing 83 feet. He's, he's, uh, he's scaring my record. And so during the competition, I, I walked off my record and I went out and I stood right in the middle of the sector, right at my record. I just wanted to let him know where it was. I was only trying to help him. I'm trying to be a coach. I'm trying to be a coach. So, no, I'm not like that. I, I want to have the record forever. Well. <laughs> you know. I respect you too much. I want to like issue a challenge now to every hammer throwing coach and hammer thrower to go beat this record. Uh, but now I just feel for you. I don't want it to be broken either. <laughs> Lance, thank you so much. This time with you today was better than I would even ever have expected. You are such a, you are a humble selfless guy, maybe not for the, for your record, but your servant attitude towards track and field, uh, as, as I know, you know, I know it, you know, people know you as the hammer thrower and some people know you as the coach. I know you as the guy who I'm going to say did everything at Hayward, but you had an amazing team. I know you won't accept that did everything. You were the leader of that. Uh, and people don't know sometimes the guys behind the scenes that are making those Olympic trials happen, that are making those NCAA championship meets happen. And the one thing that I learned from you and Jody real early was you don't host meets at Hayward, you host events. And so there's just so much that goes on yeah. behind the scenes to make this wonderful show uh, that helps the athletes do what they do to put on the show. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, the bottom of from everyone at Gill Athletics to honestly everyone around that has been a part of something that you've helped put on, thank you so much for what you do for our sport. Well, you're welcome. And, you know, back then I, I would uh, I'd start feeling sorry for myself. And then I'd realize that there are four or five other people working twice as hard as I was. So um, it's a little hard to it's a little hard to get down. It's, it's, it uh, raises the bar quite a bit. And, 
and uh, yeah, when when Gil started coming in um, uh, to these meets, and, and and you guys are a great help, and and uh, 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 you know maintaining your products and and making sure everything's right on the day. Uh, it's, it's great to work with you. Well, it's true that iron sharpens iron, and my friend, I am so thankful that you helped sharpen us and uh, in all of track and field. Thank you so much for today, Lance. You bet, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. See ya. Well, guys, that's it for today. Certainly hope you received as much value from this episode as we did making it. Uh, if you've made it this far, really appreciate you joining us. Your time and attention are super valuable, and we certainly don't take that lightly. Uh, and we also don't take lightly your feedback. Would you consider leaving us a rating or a comment in the app that you are using right now to listen to this episode? That would be really valuable for us. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, Want to know when future episodes of the podcast are available? The best way is to subscribe to the podcast in this exact same app. Right now, go hit that subscribe button. In the meantime, if this episode of the Gill Athletics Connections podcast provided you with value, would you consider giving that value to others in your network, sharing this episode and other episodes on your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, smoke signals, whatever way you would like to do it. We'd really appreciate you sharing with your network and spreading the value. That's it. Really appreciate you. Can't wait to join you next time for another episode of the Gill Athletics Connections podcast.